Welcome to She's a 10 times 5. Yep, you got it. That equals the big 5-0. Three mamas, three wives, three entrepreneurs who happen to be friends learning the ropes of being 50. Listen along as we try to figure out our what's next as we venture into this new age of reinvention. Through relatable topics and experienced guests, we invite you to be a part of aha moments of learning, inspiration, and of course, lots of fun. We're excited to do what girlfriends do best, chat from the heart. Hey, I'm Lori. I'm Shannon. And I'm Lisa. Let's do this. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we are going to tackle a new topic, and I think one that a lot of people can relate to. And that's the fluid changing dynamic of our households as we enter into this age of, you know, empty nesters and lives changing. Lori, what do you think about that? Well, 100%. I think it also goes into we're at a point in our lives where we're slowing down. And our husbands may be slowing down and then add the environment. And a lot of us have been working from home. Yeah. And just our kids going off to college. I think that's a big one when you're used to having your kids home all the time and they kind of come back and forth, especially in 2020. It's been an interesting dynamic of households. Right. And just getting into a rhythm of your daily lives, that gets in interrupted as people come and go and and your normal routines changing. That's been a challenge for me, I can say. It's been a challenge for, I think, a lot of people, and it changes the whole energy and vibe within your home. And that sometimes is hard to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you it's a new stage of life, kind of like our whole podcast is about, right? Yep. 10 times five. And then here's another layer. Yep. Okay, so jumping right to our awesome guest, we have someone who I am very close to, Hillary Loretta. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. Hi, ladies. I'm happy to be here. It it only took us like two months to get you in here. Well, she's a busy woman, this one. So I asked Hillary to be our guest today because we actually had a conversation about this. She doesn't remember it, but we did. And I felt like you had a lot of really great things to say about this topic because you have gone through a period of time in your life where you were married to a professional athlete. I'm still married to that person. <laughs> I was waiting for you to catch that one. I knew you would catch that one. She's still married to. He was a major league baseball player. And you had a lot of things to say because there was a point in time where it was start, stop, integration, separation. So that's what we wanted to talk about and just have a conversation. First of all, before we even start that, how about you give us a quick background on who you are? Okay. Well, I'm from Chicago and I... Um, Went to school there, met my husband there, and we attended Northwestern University, and I graduated from there and lived in Chicago and worked until I was in my late 20s, and then Mark and I got married, and ever since then, it's been not in Chicago and here and there and a little bit of everywhere. Was he playing Major League Ball when you married him? He was. I met him when he was 19, and I fell in love with this Kind of, I don't want to say scrawny, but a nice young, <laughs> very nice young man who happened to be good at baseball. At the time, I felt like I, I put this time and energy into going to school and getting my education. And so I stayed in Chicago and worked for several years in different fields and then decided to get married. And I come from a background where my parents divorced young and had um, 
different relationships that didn't work out as well. And I was determined that I was going to be in the same place as my husband to make our marriage work. So that's how I left Chicago and went on the road. So did you travel with the team? Did you go around and just wherever he was? Or how did that work? That's an interesting life to be an MLB wife. Right. So uh, Lori and I had talked about this a little bit and the changes that you go through as a family with the professional baseball player and their schedule. I think a lot of people don't totally understand it. For Starting in mid-February for six weeks, they go to their spring training facility, and it can be either in Arizona or in Florida. And then from there, you, you break camp and you go to where the team that they are with for the baseball season, which is six months. And then they're off if they don't make the playoffs or off for basically four and a half months. So you're, those are three transitions right there that yeah. you're doing. And every time you're setting up a place to live, trying to be part of the community, and reestablishing new rules, new boundaries. New rhythms. Absolutely. Three times a year. So did you actually, at some point, I'm assuming you had a home base where you didn't leave with him anymore after you had your kids, or did you keep doing that? Uh, we did. You and did. it changed. It, it, it depended upon where he was. So he, we would go. And there was one time he played in Boston for a year, and I shut the house here, just shut it up for the whole time. We had someone live in it, but I didn't come back the entire time because was this for the when six you had months. Kids, we had kids. We had both kids. Our daughter was young, was one, and our son was three and a half. And it was just too hard to go back and forth. It was too far. The time changed with kids that age. So I just said, I'm going to be in Boston. I'm going to embrace the life there and be on the East Coast. And people came to visit us. That was a very different season, though, because we had over 60 guests that season. Oh, wow. Wow. That was a challenge in itself because we, I think I counted, we spent maybe three nights in that house without guests when he was home. Because when they're in the baseball season, that's six months out of the time, they're gone 50% of that. They're on the road. That's a situation where every year, if he's with a different team, you just have to see what works best at that time. One summer he was in Houston. I just didn't enjoy the weather in Houston for that summer. For the summers, it wasn't a place that was ideal for me. Mm -hmm. So we were on 29 flights that summer. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's a lot of travel. And that's also with kids in tow? Yes, we. the kids Mm -hmm. were young. So basically from day one, it's been a life of go, go, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right. Well, how did that work when the kids got into a routine and a schedule with school and having to manage the household and him traveling? What did that look like? So there were several things. I said I would go anywhere, any town, as long as we had a home base. And after he signed with San Diego, he played in Milwaukee for eight years. And then when he signed in San Diego, we moved here. You didn't here. love Milwaukee? I did like Milwaukee. Oh, did you? Okay. Because I'm from Chicago. It's oh, 70 that's miles true. away. That's true. Milwaukee's just like a small Chicago. It's okay. really a nice little city. If you think of it as a very small city or big town, it's fantastic. I, I didn't mind it. But you just need a home base, and then you just can deal with everything else. That was It's kind of like your safety zone. Gotcha. With baseball. That's how it was for me. So... It started when our kids were entering school. We had to choose a school that was flexible. I looked at a couple schools that looked at me and said, no way, he can't miss school. And that just wouldn't work for us because we knew if we wanted to see him, we had to go to him. Right. And you want your kids to have that bond and see their dad. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was part of it. And I think once you're in that city, you have to embrace the ethos of that city 
and immerse yourself. When we were in Boston, we, as I said, we we rented a house that was very historical. It was built in the late 1800s. We were in a neighborhood, and we made friends with people there. So you just kind of you have to dive in and immerse yourself. When we were in Houston, we were in a neighborhood, and it was like a typical Houston neighborhood. And then when we were in L.A., we lived in the Hollywood Hills. And that was a fantastic opportunity because my brother lived there, and it was the only time that I knew I would live within walking distance from him. Oh, oh that's cool. That's yeah. Nice. So we, it was there, there were things that were very purposeful to make our lives easier with so much change. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You turned it into like a life of adventure. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Hundred percent. I would get lost in these cities, and I, I would think to myself, "That's okay. Like, I know I'm going to be back here sometime, and I'm going to say, oh, I know where I am. Right. It's fine. It's good.'" So, Hillary. So, I'll just speak for myself and my situation. I, I think one of the things that is a struggle for me is I've got a kid that's off at college, big personality, adds a lot of energy in the house, very much like me. So. When he's home, we have a certain vibe within our family and a a certain rhythm. I've got a son that's been in his room at school, right, Mm because of the pandemic. So Mm -hmm. he's home a lot. Mm -hmm. And then I've got a husband that's slowing down his work pace and is also home a lot. And I kind of struggle with all of the balancing. Now they're in my space all the time. When Connor leaves, we have to regain some sort of energy. And normally that comes from me. So how did you kind of work through a similar situation where it was constantly changing and and the dynamics and the spacing and everything? Well, you said it, though. These are things that work for us. And everything I'm talking about are things that work for us. And, you know, everything doesn't work for everybody. In this situation, as your home kids are coming and going, I think everyone – there's a lot too many assumptions that happen that maybe when your oldest goes away – He's not thinking that there's a dynamic changing in the house. And oh, it, no. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And it's important, and I said this to you, and it's so basic. It's communication. I mean, uh, that is the number one thing. Yeah. And it may be just the sit down and saying, hey, listen, you're home now, but guess what? This, this, this has changed since you've been gone, and I need you to think about that and respect it. It may be very simple things. It may be you're revisiting how you um, conduct your household. Maybe, you know, we're very fortunate. Maybe we have someone help us clean our house once a week. And since one kid's gone, maybe they come every other week. But when they're home, they're used to having like this little extra, hey, this person's going to do this for me. Well, guess what? We've stopped doing those things for you when you were gone. So now you have to do them for yourself when you're home. Right. And I've seen that over and over in families. It's like my sister, she has four kids. It's, it's all the time. But a lot of, with my experience, is the entering the home, leaving the home, and it's more than just little nitpicky things around the house. It's people's, their mindsets have really changed. Absolutely. And your son's coming back a different person as well. Yeah. With new experiences, and I tease him and I say, stop adulting me, <laughs> you know, because he's used to just doing what he wants, you know, because he's out on his own. That's a huge complaint about that. And then again, it's... You have house rules. And guess what? Our house rules change. As we change, our house rules do change as well. And he's not used to saying to you or saying to anyone, I'm going to stay out all night long. But it's up to you and your husband to say, listen, you can stay out all night long if you want to. We're not having that control over you. You're an adult, essentially. But I do need to know if you're going to come home or not. And that's just being respectful of living with 
other people. Oh, uh-huh. mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that I see, but we hear that over and over. Oh, they didn't call me last night. I don't know where they were. I was so worried, but it's it's very basic. Basic communication, setting expectations. Each time they come home, what the house looks like, what the fe- what the expectations are. Yeah, and it takes more work than one mm-hmm. thinks. Yeah. One would want to or one would expects. So it's actually really being purposeful. I mean, there, we talk about that. It's such a buzzword, living your life with purpose and being in the moment. And it's it's true. That's right. a good way to practice it with our kids. Well, it's kind of funny, too, because I think about when my son comes home from school. So he's off at school, all independent, taking care of everything, cooking, doing his own laundry, everything, right? Somehow when he comes home, he just assumes that I'm going to do everything. His room is a mess. He's gets kind of in lazy mode. So there's some ground rules that have to be laid out. Do you have any tips on that just to kind of encourage them to bring those habits home with them? I kind of mention it throughout <laughs> them being away. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Absolutely. So here's here's another little tip that this is a controversial one. I was talking about it with a, another one of my girlfriends who's a baseball wife, and she said, you know, we share a calendar, her whole family. I said, yeah, so do we. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. She's like, yeah, well, that's that's what I think is a really good positive. That's a positive. Like, it's a good idea. And I said, yeah, of course. And she said, no, 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 no. So many people think that's terrible. How can you guys share a calendar? We are all on our calendar. Everyone has different colors. So if Mark's away or Frankie's away, my son, they know what we're doing. If he can't get a hold of me, one of them, they see on my calendar that I am doing this. Is this a digital calendar? Yeah. It's it's just Apple. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But some people don't want to do that, and they think it's an invasion of their privacy. And in theory, it works fantastically, but I was 10 minutes late today because my husband did not look at the calendar that I had this on there, and he went to play golf with some friends. Gentle calendar reminders. Living with three men, I cannot see me being able to pull off a calendar. But it's their responsibility to put their things in the calendar as well. But that's extremely helpful. It really is. Okay. Especially with couples. Yeah. Because of expectations. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's very important with couples because, it's, for example, Lori, you and I like to play pickleball. And when we have plans to pay, play pickleball at 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning and your husband is thinking, well, I need to sit down with, with Lori and talk about, who knows, your trust. And I'm going to book that appointment with the lawyer. And you want to feel like he's respecting your time, he would look at that calendar and say, she can't do that. Or say to you, do you think you could move that? It's just being respectful of one another's space and time. Okay, I'm going to turn this on its head. And here's the thing. And this is something I've been struggling with, is now that my husband is working 99% from home, Mm -hmm. and he's a semi-retired, so he has his important meetings, and he still works and is, is very productive, but he's in my space a lot, which has been very unusual. And now that we're in each other's space so much, I feel like he gets over-involved in what I'm doing. I don't want him to see what's on my calendar. What's your space, though? Rewind a little. What's your space? I, You know, I don't know. That's a good question. Like, like, you know, what my space, the kitchen, <laughs> the boudoir. I don't know. Well, maybe it would be beneficial thinking about defining your space. This is my space this is where if I'm in here, this is my time. And I'd really appreciate it if you don't disturb me. I have a little office in my kitchen. It's teeny, but it's right off the kitchen. And no one better put anything down on my (laughs) my desk (laughs) in there. It is not a collector. That is my space. 
I feel like this is really powerful because you're it's just setting up for healthy relationships. And especially like the calendar, as you go into empty nesting, when you, you know, I think because especially if you've had kids and busy schedules and all of that, and then you're kind of creating more of your own social calendar. And like you said, instead of overlapping on schedules and creating fights and arguments and all those things, it's like, hey, the calendar's there. You're choosing to use it or not. Correct. And defining your space. What do you think about that, Lori? Defining your space? You can pull that off. I think I've tried to define my space, but that's hard, Hillary, because do moms, Lisa, you can speak to this, do moms really ever have their own space? There's this kind of expectation that you always run to mom, wouldn't you say? And it's hard to break that that paradigm within a child because they're still your children. So I think, you know, I'm always the first one they call and they expect me to pick up. Mm -hmm. And I think it's... Even though I could say to Masood, hey, babe, this is my... He does know when I shower that I like to be alone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something up there, too. I just, you can make an appointment. You can... It, there's no... It sounds so official, and it sounds like, oh, that's so impersonal. But it's not really. You can make an appointment with your husband to talk about things that are important, whether it's the schooling or, or finances or whatever. You can make an appointment. And to talk about it. And so they do respect your time. Whether, I mean, we're not doing groundbreaking things, we're really. But at the same time, women need their friends, men need wives. Oh. And so. Ding, ding, ding. So do we you need have that. a sound effect for that, Lori? I know. I did. You, <laughs> saw me, you saw me look down at Maybe my board playing pokeball at 10. <laughs> but it is important for you to have that interaction right. and that time. It's for your mental health. I mean, it can be too, like, I, I'll admit it. I'll put myself there. We make appointments to, like. Have a date in the bedroom. Like we, you have to make time for one How another. How long are those dates? Oh, these days, <laughs> it, just, it just has a start time. But That's even right. just making date nights, like all of those things too. I think it to schedule that in exactly, and whatever works for anyone. Like date nights don't work for us because we want to be home with the kids. That's just yeah. Well, I a lot of times I'll just invite Sean through like if I have something that I know we've been invited to I'll send it as a calendar invite to him so that I know for sure it's getting on his calendar we don't necessarily share calendars but at least I know I've communicated that and it'll land somewhere electronically in his device and then a he can't tell me I didn't tell him about it and b hopefully he will you know plan accordingly yeah there's I think there's something to be said about I don't know if I could necessarily do a calendar because I feel like it would only be me putting stuff in the calendar. I just, I just know my, my men, but I do, we do have not arguments, but it does become a thing because I will have assumed that I have told him, oh, we're going to the Loretta's for dinner mm-hmm. or we're going walking with this couple or, oh, I made reservations. And I, I think sometimes I forget, or sometimes he's not really hearing me. You know how men do that, right? Definitely. You're telling them that, and they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and then... Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if it's a problem for all of you. It is for me. I, I tend to forget things these days that I had a yes. steel trap mind before. But now I, I do forget things. So I will text him right away. If I don't want to forget something, and I'm not putting it in the calendar right Same. away, I will say, we're doing this. Or this is something I need help with the schedule or picking up or rides, whatever it is. And I had to text it or else I'll forget. But I want to make sure that I have it on record. <laughs> <laughs> Something to refer back to in writing. I love exactly. it. So Mark's been home now for the past year, right. which has been new, right? 
Yes and no. I mean, Mark really retired when he was 38, and he went into the front office for the Padres, but that was not a full-time job. A lot of people said would ask me, oh, is it great? He goes down to the office every day. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not what it is at all. It's He'd go to a couple games for a series, or, and he would go down to the office, and he would have some meetings, but not every day. He was home a lot. Okay. And it was like that for many years. It was He wasn't there at all. Or we would be with him physically, not mentally, when he was playing. I mean, he was – it was very all-consuming for him. Um, and then he would come home for the off-season, and he, there he was. And there was a honeymoon period, and it's great. Just like when your kids come home from college, there's two days of a honeymoon period. You're just so happy to see him. It's so great. And then they leave all their dishes in the sink, and their floor's a mess, and they want you to do their laundry. We've been working on this transition for, gosh, like 12 years. Okay. I mean, we're done. I mean, we're we're good. We're in a flow now. And he has had little interruptions where he's yeah, because he was, was in the Chicago. Bench. He was right? on the bench coach for the Cubs, and that was a brand new experience because the kids were not used to that anymore. They were it was used so to him easy. Being home. It, well, it was just so easy for them when we they were young, and for me, I could just take them out of school. It wasn't a big deal. I could not take them out of school when our son was a junior in high school, and just go to Chicago. That wasn't happening for his education. So, yeah, that was a transition, and it was a family decision for him to take that position. He just didn't come home and say, I'm doing this. But we made it work, and it is an adventure. You said earlier, Shannon, that it's an adventure. It is. Every time that there is a new situation, it is an adventure. And you laugh at me a lot, Lori, when I try to think of the positive of things. Like, you get sick of face masks. I'm like, I kind of like the face mask. Nobody knows who I am. It's kind of fun to go around with it on. Okay, so just just FYI, I I think we went walking, what, in week three or four of the pandemic? Mm Mm-hmm. Quarantine or whatever, and mm-hmm. so we went on a walk, and she was like, "I love this. I love being home. I lo-. and I was looking at her like, wait, what? And then it was like six months later. I said, "Are you still enjoying it?" She's like, "No, we're going to Mexico." <laughs> <laughs> I felt the same way, and I lo- I agree with you on the mask. I love being out under my mask. I don't have to worry about socializing if I don't feel like it or my don't have my makeup on, all those things where I just kind of want to be incognito. It's nice. I like it. Well, and I don't recognize a lot of people either. (laughs) Yeah. 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 For sure. With the masks on it, you, yeah. Sunglasses, hat, mask, you are in your own world for sure. So that's exciting that you, like you guys have had all these transitions and all these things. So what is, what are some of the other things that you do? I think the calendar is great. I think defining your personal space is great. Is there anything else that stands out to you that you guys do in your house just to kind of keep things moving? Well, especially for Mark and myself, I think they're basic marriage principles. We express how thankful we are of each other all the time, no matter if he does the littlest thing, I say thank you, and he does the same. And when we're around each other all the time, we kind of forget to do that, I think, with the family unit. Like, mm-hmm. thanks for making dinner. Thanks for cleaning up. Thanks for going to the grocery store. Basic little things. And that's – it seems so minute, but we all want to feel appreciated. That's actually and as moms, huge. Yeah, it we is. Aren't, we never feel appreciated. Mm-hmm. We don't get our – annual review. We don't get a raise. We don't get a promotion. Yep. We, we don't get these things that when you're employed, though, you know you're doing a good job when you get right. those things. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny. We were kind of chuckling about this the other night. When I fix a good meal, because it is... <laughs> 
it's not, you know, my cook. Hillary's tried it. She's a great cook. She's tried to help me. And I, I do know how to roast a good chicken now. My husband says when I have a good meal on the table, God bless you. Oh. <laughs> That's yeah, it's, doesn't it's that make you feel good? It yeah. does. And it makes it the effort worth it. Yeah, it does. Because yeah. he's a foodie. So if I, if I actually hit one out of the park, no pun intended, yeah, it does make me feel good. So that's a good point you make. Say thank you. I feel like there's never a lack of words of affirmation. It's true. Yeah. You know, there's nobody who doesn't like to be appreciated. It's true. But that's a good reminder because how many times do we actually say thank you for all the mundane things? Yes. And it does feel horrible to feel unappreciated. It really, really does. Mm -hmm. And when I said I wanted to go to Mexico, it was right after Thanksgiving. And I felt that way. Yeah. I did. Uh, it was um, time for a change of scenery. Yeah. yeah, it was time to spend some time with just women, probably, yeah. too. And not to take care of everyone. Because you brought up the point earlier, everyone comes to mom. Everyone does. And I do think that's part of the job of being a mom, and it's probably the most difficult, um, that you are on call all the time. And there the are time. things that we don't always have answers for, and we want answers for our kids all the time. We want to be a help. And we also have to realize our kids don't want answers all the time. They just want to vomit their problems on you. Yeah. I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, sometimes you just want to vent. But yes. I 100% agree. I mean, my girls will come to me and I think, why are you asking me this? This is a this is your dad. This is your dad's lane. And you're still coming to me. I'm like, go ask your dad. And it's usually a text. It's not a coming to me. It's a texting me. Hey, mom. Blah, blah. And sure enough, I mean. No, then they will or they won't. They just will solve it. And then that it just turns into them venting or them processing and using me as their processing tool when they don't end up going to their dad to ask for whatever it is they were asking for. That's if I, they really want it solved, they will go to their dad. Exactly. Because men want to solve the problems. Oh, yeah. They really, really do. Mm -hmm. That's maybe why they don't go to him. I just mean that they trigger. It's always to me. And then from there, who knows? Okay. I've got, I've got something for you, Hillary. So it's been really great because Sean and I have gotten super duper close, but going back to boundaries, sometimes I feel like we've gotten really, really close, but now there's this, there's no boundaries where I, I feel like. I am his go-to. We can talk about everything, and we do. But sometimes I feel like we've lost that respect a little bit. It's too loosey-goosey. How do I solve that one? It's the same old word, communication. Think You have to think through what you want those boundaries to be. And sometimes it's hard to write those down. but And be really true to yourself of what's going to make you happy, what's going to make you feel comfortable. And it's okay to sit down and have a conversation with him about it. It's People are so good at avoidance. And I think maybe you can feel this way too because I know you the best, Lori, is that sometimes we criticize if we're, we just say how we're feeling. But I'd rather say how I'm feeling than hold it in and have the person have no idea. Or you become resentful. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, I mean, it's, it seems so simple, but it's hard to do. It's hard to say what our needs are, especially as moms, because we've given them up for so long. Well, and I think in this time frame, and you gals, you can validate or invalidate. I, I think as moms, we've become really attuned to their emotions because we're worried mm -hmm. 
for their mental health. So there's a lot of times I would normally confront and I don't because I feel like, okay, they've got enough shit to worry about. Um, I'm, this is the, like, I can, I can manage through this. Does that make sense? Do you guys agree? You don't want to yeah. add more stress. More stress or, yeah. you know, or confrontation or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have it to get there because I think they ha- they're under a lot of stress. Yeah. I agree with that. They yeah. are under a lot of stress. All kids are under a lot of stress. And we help them as much as we can. But there are certain points, and it's hard to know what that feeler is, that we are enabling them mm-hmm. not to figure it out. We have oh. to let them figure some of it out. Absolutely. And it, it, it's, it's you have to sit in the uncomfortable because or, – or let them sit in the uncomfortable because that's when they are forced to – come up with a solution and that for me personally can be very uncomfortable it's like i'm dying on the inside and i want to solve it but i'm like don't do it don't Mm -hmm. do it let her sit in the uncomfortable and work herself out of this problem we are all of the snowplow mom generation Mm -hmm. because yep i mean for me i felt like my parents were not there for me at all they weren't advocates for Mm -hmm. me they were divorced they were doing their own thing they they were not there i was i've been on my own for a long time so i'm like i'm gonna be there for my kids i'm gonna do everything for them if if my parents had only done this so we are of the snowplow generation we have to it's so hard it's jump out of that snowplow it is it's so hard and i think there's such a difference between enabling and empowering and especially as the kids get older, letting them have some pain, letting them have some disappointment, mm-hmm. making them step up and making them be responsible, you know, for a lot of things. Because I notice that a lot. Moms, I think we want to fix everything. And it's just out of the goodness of our heart, but it's actually to their detriment. Oh, 100%. Because then they're not able to problem solve themselves. And I really notice a difference in this generation because I think all of us, Hillary, had kind of similar. I don't know any... Mm-hmm parents of like our parents who enabled us i feel like all of us were kind of on our own it's like once you turned 18 well, you're just out there and especially you know. if your parents well, i both my parents worked i mean yeah. I, they rarely went to we didn't have parents in the stands for games a lot of times it was just us doing our deal i rode my bike to the field did my game and then i had snacks and then i you know different yeah. mm-hmm. i played a sport my mom saw me one time one time, I spent years and years. I was ski raced. I went away to high school in Vermont for it, and my mom saw one race. But she was busy. I mean, she was working and she was doing her thing. And I see that you know she did amazing things. She was a woman who was divorced at a young age and had three kids and got her MBA, really bright. And she had a career. Not many women did that in the early seventies. No. Mm-mm. Well, don't you guys find that with? Well, you have just one child, but I, I do find that I was exactly what you said, the snowplow mom. And it got to the point where this frustration was happening because there came a point where I, I couldn't fix certain things. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I, I can't fix this for you. I do find myself correcting with my younger one. Like, I'm not as involved. I don't get bent out of shape about certain things. Like, I, I've really kind of let go a, a lot more with him. And I do see that the difference in his independence level. It just, it reminds me of, so many people have asked me, I have lots of girlfriends who have kids that are in high school and they're their oldest kids, they're juniors. And it's just recently, I think, because um, they're really thinking about colleges. They've said, how are you with your son being gone? How are you? How is it? And 
my reaction is I am so happy for him. He mm-hmm. needs to be where he mm-hmm. is right now. He just it's it's so rewarding for me to see him in an environment where he can grow so much that completely overrides the oh my gosh, he's gone and our dynamic in our house is so different. Right. I, it is fantastic that he's away and he is learning and developing and growing. That's what we do. That's what that's our job. I know, Lisa, you'll relate to this, is um, they had a shit ton of snow in Fort Worth. It was crazy. <laughs> and so they had their fr- my my kid had his first ever snow day. And and I know we've talked about mm-hmm. this because our, our kids, they all go to TCU. And so I love to see what they post. It like warms my heart. And I must have watched the snow vi- day video that, the, what is it, the barstool? Uh-huh. Barstool, TCU. Like over and over again, thinking, oh my God, these kids are having so much fun and he's having the time of his life and I'm so happy for him. I mean, wouldn't you, don't oh, you feel the I same would, way? Yeah, I would absolutely agree. It's 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 the experience I didn't have, but that's kind of what we're talking about is we wanted a different experience for our kids than what maybe we had. And then maybe the pendulum has swung a little too far and we have to self-correct. And I feel like our oldest are our guinea pigs. I mean, because it's the first time we're experiencing every time they're experiencing it and our reactions to it or our preparation for it. So I kind of feel like the oldest uh, well, so, experience so it differently. My friend Mona, don't you just love that name? And she looks like a Mona. When I had Sean, my second, she said, don't you worry. She goes, it's just like making pancakes. We always kind of screw up the first one, but we do really well with the second one. So there you go. So what what happens when you have one child? I just screwed him up. <laughs> no, I, I will say I will say having one child though, um, he's very independent. I think I was very aware mm-hmm. of that, and he's just his personality is pretty intense. Personality. He's actually playing college baseball, which we'll talk on the side about that. But um, but it's like to watch him just thrive. Like you said, when people say, "Are you sad?" He's gone. I'm like, no. I'm so happy to see him thriving because I have so many friends whose kids are not thriving right now. And so it's like giving them the skills and the tools to be able to be on their own. And it's a tough time for the kids. I think it's so important, though, for parents who have that attitude and have the attitude I have about Frankie to share that with other parents whose kids are leaving because you hear they're stressed. They're so sad their kids are leaving and they're so scared for that transition and then that empty space in the house. Mm-hmm. that it has to affect their child. I think it's more of a reflection of of what am, what am I going to do with myself? Uh, my role as a mother, now this, this person that I've raised and now is going to go off on their own, where does that leave me? Yeah. In it, in, I mean, that's when people feel that way. I, I had the same exact feeling as you, Hillary. I was thrilled for my kids to go. I mean, in a happy for them right. way. You know, the three of you have, have had great careers, I gave up my working career at 29 when I got I got married, and that is when the first time I really struggled. I was like, "Oh, wait a minute, hang on here. I I'm not going to be defined as his wife. That's not what I've worked for, and that's not who I am. I'm a much more full person than that. I'm just not the baseball player's wife. Right. And I used to at the beginning kind of get offended, be like, "Oh, you're a baseball player's wife." I'm like, "Well." All of us are so different. We can't be categorized in one little box Facet, there. Yeah. Not, that just didn't work. So I think really in life, we are always redefining ourselves. And you've talked about that with Lauren, past guests, and 
other people. We mm-hmm. always are. And I don't think we're ever the label that we're given. And that's important that we be- everyone has to believe that in themselves. So I'm, I'm not, not the hottest woman on the universe. That's right. <laughs> but I'm not, I mean, I'm not just a mom. I'm not just a wife. I'm not, not just a baseball wife. I mean, you know, we're all mm-hmm. these different things. And when our kids have left, we're not less of a person because we're not seven days a week a mom. Right. Having to provide all those things. We are always going to be a mom, really, seven days a week, but not hands-on. I agree. And yeah. the thing is, if we define ourselves now, and this is our topic, life is fluid. It's not going to be that five years from now. And so, like, even the pandemic, I people um, ask me about it. We, you know, it's always a topic of conversation. I'm like, I just look at it like it's a, I'm in a pool of water. I can't wrap my arms around it. You're never going to wrap your arms around water. It's fluid. It's always flowing. That's life. So we can never get too set in our ways, and we just take it as it comes. And what's hard for me is to have the patience for, like, my son is not necessarily that way. And he's still very angry that he's not getting the college experience and all these experiences that he's supposed to be getting that he worked so hard for. And I just say, hey, like, I try to pick out all the good things, like this is what it is and this is what we can do, but it's hard to do that. It's very hard to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this year especially has tested all of us, but I think it's brought out different perspectives. And I think, I love what you said, because I think it's just redefining ourselves in each stage because we are still moms, but guess what? Now we have an open calendar that we're all going to share with our spouses, (laughs) but to fill it with stuff we never had time to do before and to really start finding things that you love and things that you never had a, you know, a chance to do before. So I think that's pretty inspiring. So, Hillary, we were talking about open spaces on the calendar and our lives are, you know, time is freeing up. What are some recommendations that you have about how we put ourselves in new positions or try new things? Well, I think people have to be comfortable with taking risks and putting yourself out there. Uh, when we would go away for the baseball season and we knew we were there for six months, we had to dive right into that community and everything couldn't evolve around the baseball because you can only have so much baseball in your life there it's in the paper in the morning how we performed it's on the tv it's it's everywhere so we had to separate ourselves a little bit create our own time we had our family time and then the kids and i had time and we would explore those cities every city i don't care if you're in kansas city milwaukee oakland there's something to offer in that city people live there for a reason and you have to be curious and embrace where you are. So if we're here and we have these times in our calendar, embrace new things. Lori, like I mentioned before, Lori and I play pickleball. I don't play pickleball. But Lori said, let's try this. We have time right now, and it's been great. I mean, she's a really good pickleball player. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That doesn't surprise me at all. No. Uh, yeah. We call her the albatross because she gets up at the net and it's <laughs> scary. <laughs> we're like, when she goes for the volley, <laughs> when she goes for the volley, it's literally like, we're like, no. <laughs> anyway, sorry. We, we all have a visual now. Uh, That's right. right. Well, Hillary, it has been so nice having you on. Thank you so much for everything that you shared with us today. And we have something that most of us all get so excited about because we have no idea what's going to happen right now, but we're going to move into... Lowe's lightning round. 
You, you, you want the want the. Can I just say that Lo is our family name to like that's our nickname in our family. Lo, Lo that's our well, nickname. Well, yeah, Loretta, I and, and I should have brought you some low expectations. <laughs> you, well, that's the th- that's what we let, that's why we Dang. connect so well because of the low, and she does have a label of wine, and it's called Low Expectations, which is just I and I, there's one other thing I didn't say, but I will tell her. You have to encourage your spouses to take chances too, so it takes oh. the attention away from you, and they do other things too, like. They should do other things. Yeah. It can't mm-hmm. all always come back to you. And by the way, I think that goes both ways. Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, yeah. encouraging us to do like this and is our a kids. new thing. Yeah. And our kids. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Time for Lowe's lightning round. And I don't know which one it is, but I'm going to do this one. <laughs> do you like that? Do you like that? Okay. Um, I, I didn't even get a, a reasonable chuckle out of that. Okay. So you've heard this, right? Yeah. So, I'm so, afraid. You're not afraid. <laughs> You're the least afraid person I've ever met in my life. Um, so I thought it'd be super fun mm-hmm. to base this around the being an ex MLB wife. Okay, so I'll start I'm off game. I'll start off easy. Anytime you want to throw in any stories, feel free to because we love that kind of shit. Okay, all right, you got some good stuff. So the first one is: Do middle infielders really have good hands? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they're smooth and quick. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay. Padres or Cubs? Oh, God. See, I knew that would be hard for you. That's very hard. I respect both organizations. And <laughs> I mean, you know, if I'm in Chicago, I'm always rooting for the Cubs, but I have to root for the Padres when I'm here. Um, short story. So Mark did play for Milwaukee. I'm from Chicago. They um, were in the same division as the Cubs. So we played them a lot. And it really was difficult for me to root for the Brewers when they were playing the Cubs at home. In Milwaukee, it was okay. But when I would go to Wrigley and watch them, it was... Did he ever play with Mark Grace? No, but I know him. I went to high school with him. (laughs) Did you? He was gorgeous then, too. So we moved to Arizona after we were married uh, because spring training was there, and we took one move out of the baseball season. We could stay home for spring training. And the only people we knew when we moved there were baseball players. So we had many a night with Mark Grace. Awesome. (laughs) Okay. How many times have you witnessed fans, we'll call them fans, hitting on Mark? Have you ever had to intervene a... A overzealous groupie. fan. A groupie. Um, yes. There were many times where I was completely ignored. There's several times where I was shoved out of the way. One time, actually, in my own home. It's a joke between Mark and I. Oh. We bring it up once in a while. What? What happened? There was a woman in my home, and she was helping me with something. And I was probably eight months pregnant with our daughter and Mark came home and I was sitting down and she was standing up with her back towards him. And I said, oh, this is my husband, Mark. And she flipped around, (laughs) tossed her hair, stuck her boobs out and stuck out her hand and said, hi, I'm (laughs) Lori Jabbar. (laughs) And I sat there with my mouth open for one second 
and I put my head down and just started laughing. I just... Uh, that's classic. <laughs> response yeah. I, could, I was comical. Anyway, we talked about that probably like two weeks ago. Oh, that's funny. That's good. Okay, we're getting some good ones out of you. Um, funniest thing you've seen a wife of a player do or pull off? Like, there's got to be some crazy wife story. Oh, there are a lot of crazy wife stories. I mean... Are they crazy stories or crazy wives? <laughs> or both? I think they're both. I have a lot of stories. It's a matter of choosing them. I... Gosh. Did you ever have someone get naked and run the bases? <laughs> No, that would be the players. Um, there was a there's a player that's something that's I would notorious do. for getting naked. Um, no, I mean there was in Milwaukee. This is not really a great story, but in Milwaukee there's a sausage race. Oh, is that when they when they? <laughs> now I got a visual. I can't get out of my head. It's like a brat, a hot dog, an Italian. I've seen that before. Everyone's seen it because funny things yes. happen, and the wives did it one time. I did not. I thought better of the situation and declined. And they ran out there, and they were doing. They came in, and they were like, "That was so good." And I. <laughs> had to break into him. You guys were so slow. They were so <laughs> slow. No, there are definitely some funny stories about, I mean, you. many of us have seen, I think it was Bull Durham, where they get married on the field, the bats in the air. That happened in double A. Oh, oh, that's wow. cool. The oh. year prior, she almost took me down. I put my foot in my mouth. It was, it was definitely a time in my life where I said something, and in my head I said, Oh my God! Did I say that out loud? And oh, I did. Yes. Dang it! Yeah, that was that was not a good situation there. That okay. was in, that was my first um, visiting him in single A ball, his first team. Okay. And there was like this. I don't know. She must have been like eighteen or nineteen years old, and her boyfriend was playing, and she had on the championship ring from. The year before, single, a. single exactly <laughs> single A champion, and I was like, okay, still in single A because in baseball you want to progress. If you're in short season A ball, you want to move up to a California League A ball, and if you're in A ball, California A ball, you want to move up to Double A. I mean, anyway, he was back, and I said, oh, oh, is that the championship ring from last year? And she had like this string on her wrapped around the base of it so it would fit her finger and I looked at it and of course in my mind I'm like what the hell why she ran and then I go huh that's funny she looks at me she goes what's funny about it <laughs> I was like oh shit <laughs> it was funny she was wearing it okay last one what was Mark's walk up song low rider it was <laughs> low rut okay that's well, a great walk up uh, song Someone just started playing it. I can't remember. I, maybe in Milwaukee. And he just kept it because it was funny. Okay. What's your favorite walk-up song to other like other players? You're like, oh, that was a great walk-up song. Oh, I don't know. So many. I love Trevor. Like, that's not oh, really yeah. a walk-up but song. He's, that's yeah. classic. I mean, yeah. I don't think any we, reliever has that, that type of reaction <laughs> and hype. And a lot of it was because of time. He had that song for so many years. But story about that is I remember – Coming to San Diego to Qualcomm, and it was the ninth inning, and I remember thinking we were down. We were, Mark was with the Brewers, and we were down, and their their reliever was coming in. I'm like, oh, forget it. It's over. We're never going to win now because he was so good. Yeah. Wait a minute. You, Mark played in Qualcomm? I have a little trivia for you. Mark 
is the last person to hit a home run at Qualcomm and the first person to hit a home run at Petco. That oh, is great that is a cool, That's a good stat. Which is comical because he is not known for his long ball. So, yeah, he's, he's a single sitter. I'm sorry about Forever. that, Hillary. <laughs> I didn't say ball. <laughs> okay. So we'll end on this because we like to end on song. I'm not going to ask you to sing, but what would be your walk-up song? I mean, I mean, I would have to say The Who because I love The Who. The Who they're like my, they're one of my favorite bands and women don't really like The Who and I like kind of, you know, doing something a little different. <laughs> you like it because the other women don't like it. Well, <laughs> like, I went to The Who concert this. here and... I feel like there were five women there and I was one. Oh. So like, <laughs> like the who, Bob O'Reilly or something like that. Well, how interesting that I have that queued up for us for our closing. Oh, oh. All right. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Hillary Loretta. What position are you starting at? Uh, I have to go with second base. Second base. I mean, come on. Yeah, what number gotta, are you, babe? I'm number eight. You're number eight. Of course she is. All right. Hillary Loretta, number eight, starting at second base. <laughs> Nice. Thank you so much for being here. Thank awesome. you, Hillary. Loved it. Great advice. It was fun. Yeah, Thank it was great. You. Thanks, ladies. All right, cool. Follow us on Instagram at She's a 10 times 5 and click on the link on our bio to listen. You can also listen to She's a 10 times 5 on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.